Hello everyone and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez streaming with you live every night at 8 p.m. Central. Sorry that I started a little bit late tonight. Just was handling some technical difficulties here in the studio. But now we are live and we're ready to talk Dallas Cowboys football. We need to talk about Tony Pollard. It is high time we do so. We cannot sugarcoat it anymore. I believe that there are plenty of stats that tell us that Pollard should be playing more time. We'll get into it. We'll also talk about whether or not the Cowboys are getting the Chiefs treatment, and we'll explain what that is, and we'll finish it off with a little bit of dynamic duo talk for the Dallas Cowboys, because this defensive front now has a tremendous dynamic duo that after watching the tape, after hitting the All-22, I am insanely excited about it. So, thank you guys for joining the show. What is up, Beryl Keeler? Asking me, man, I am bad with the homework, Beryl Keeler. He says, I thought we were friends, Mo. Where's Agujita? Hey, I am so bad with my homework. I, I keep forgetting about checking the map. Uh, Carlos Colaway says, yo, what is up, Tommy? Mike says, are we live? Yes, sir, we are. Thank you, Gaston, for joining the show. Reginald says, my still believing it's sick. I'm still believing it's sick, by the way. This is not anti-sick talk. This will be just a little bit of pro-polar talk. But we'll get into it all here on tonight's show. Anyways, guys, thank you for joining me. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you share the show. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know about ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. And let's start the show officially. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way throughout the rest of the season for the Dallas Cowboys. We have only three weeks of regular season action left for the Dallas Cowboys. And also check out adcsports.com slash Dallas for your favorite Mavericks content. The best Dallas Cowboys content. We aim to be your one stop for Dallas sports content. So make sure you check that out. I'll start the show officially without... Uh, I'll save some of the topics for later. I want to get into this question from Carlos Holloway. I think it's such a good question. And I think it's one that I, I struggle to answer. Carlos Holloway says... Who's been the most surprising player in your opinion? And actually, let's make it a public question. So if you guys want to chime in, share your thoughts on who do you believe is has been the most surprising player for the Cowboys in 2021, make sure you tell us in the chat. I will avoid the I will avoid Micah Parsons as an answer, who would be, if we're talking about the entire season, he definitely 100 percent would be my answer. Jaron Kears is also a potential answer, as Bert Killer is saying on YouTube. Uh, Jaron Kears, I, I didn't believe that Jaron was going to make the cut when he was first signed by the Cowboys. 
to the 53 man uh, to the to the roster. I think he's going to be cut in the preseason. And when I started second guessing myself, it was because I thought maybe he brings a lot of value to special teams. I never imagined that he was going to be such an important part of this Cowboys defense because make no mistake about it, every game when you watch the replays and everything, there are about about two to three plays per week in which you say, oh man, Jaron Kears is such an athlete because he really is and he's so exciting to watch. There was this play versus the Giants in which he's chasing the run from the backside and he catches the Giants running back for a small gain and he makes the defensive stop. So Jaron Kears is definitely a potential answer for that question. What is up, guys? Uh, Tommy says, no one did, Mo. And I think that, here's the thing. Uh, I think that the people who thought that Jaron was going to make the roster, the, the, the reason why that answer was there is because of special teams. I don't think anyone expected him to take over a starting spot at safety. And then the Cowboys have been able to be so creative with it because, for example, Mike says Malik Hooker is a potential answer as well. Malik Hooker, uh, Monte Cassie, and Jaron Kears have been sharing the field a lot over the past few weeks. And just let's wait until Donovan Wilson gets back too. He should be getting back next Sunday versus Washington. So that is another uh, thing to get excited about with this defense. Casey Howard says, Randy is the biggest surprise for me this year. Cedric Wilson as he closed second. Randy Gregory, definitely a surprise. Randy... The thing about Randy is we didn't know if he was going to be able to be this productive for an extended period of time. But Micah, I know that I said that I was going to, you know, avoid that answer. But Micah has, if, Micah has got to be the answer. I know it's so mainstream to answer Parsons because everyone is talking about Parsons. But I didn't expect him to be a premium pass rusher for the Dallas Cowboys starting in 2021. Here's a few other answers that I will, uh, that I will uh, tell you about. It's been two games, and I, I, don't, I, I need to see more from Neville Gallimore. I need to see a bigger sample size. But man, oh man, if <laughs> I get excited about just, just thinking about it, if Neville Gallimore is going to continue playing at the level that he has been these past couple of weeks, it is over for opposing offensive lines. There is no way he can match up against this Cowboys defensive front if Gallimore is going to keep up that level of play because he has been playing great football. And when I say great, I mean top tier in the league. He's pushing guys around. He's being a force versus the run. He's also rushing the passer. Watch out for Neville Gallimer because I, I truly doubt, I, I, I truly doubt that he's going to keep it up because it's been such a high level of play. This is not like me knocking on Neville Gallimer. This is just me being quite shocked by it. So let's just wait for a little bit, and if he keeps it up, I will add Neville Gallimer to that list because he's been. I didn't expect him to come back this strong. I expected it to be an important return for the Cowboys because I was expecting a, you know, he was at the end of the day, the projected starter for the Cowboys at Tree Tech. 
at defensive tackle. So that's what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting such top-tier play from him. Jeremy Williams says, I agree with that for sure as well. Uh, Barrel Killer says, Godzilla Gallimore is a beast. Michael Atkins says, Anthony Brown is a target more than Trevon Diggs. But by the way, I know that, you know, it's been a, it was a rough game maybe for Anthony Brown. I don't think that it was such a rough game like many have pointed out on social media. But Anthony Brown has been low-key surprising. We were a lot of people in Cowboys Nation were ready to forget about Anthony Brown. And he's giving us at least average play at cornerback. And that is more than we expected. And at times he has been very solid at cornerback. So I would give Anthony Brown some love. Someone said Terrence Steele. Let's give Terrence Steele some love. It was Dallas Junk over here. Stephen White says, Micah is the biggest freaky thing I ever saw. Hey, Stevie Mac, what is up, Stevie Mac? Also, by the way, as always, reminding people to hit the like button and share the show if you haven't. If you're here on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, let your friends know about ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. But Stevie Mac says, don't forget this unsung hero, Brian Anger. That is right. I didn't expect him to be the punter for the Cowboys before John Fackel told us in the preseason that he was going to be the Cowboys' starting punter. But I was all in in Hunter's bandwagon to be honest with you so anger definitely a player that surprised us as well who else could you point towards um there's of course Trevon Diggs himself someone mentioned Diggs Diggs is a fair answer because one thing is being a good starting cornerback another thing is having 10 interceptions for the season so definitely Trevon Diggs and then we can get to maybe Tony Pollard and I think this might be the perfect segue to what I wanted to talk to you guys about tonight. I will say, score check, says Mike. Let's talk about the score for a little bit. I'm so confused, by the way, by the whole uh, NFC East clinch situation. And you guys know me. I want the answers. So last night, <laughs> I didn't go to, uh, no, on Sunday night, excuse me, I didn't go to bed until I had all of the NFC sitting situation figured out so we could talk about it on Monday night. And if you didn't see that episode of Primetime, make sure you check it out. We had it on Monday night. We dove in into the NFC and figured out what the tie-breaking scenarios were for the Cowboys to get the number one seed or to stick with the number two seed. So I figured all of that out. I haven't figured out what is going on with the NFC is, though. I will tell you the truth. Because I'm not that concerned about the NFC East. But let's make sure about it. So let's say Philadelphia wins. The question in social media right now is, do the Cowboys need a tie or do the Cowboys need a loss in order to clinch it? So let's see here. Let's let's try to just get together the, the weirdest scenario possible. I, I'm using the playoff simulator right now, by the way. But I, I, if someone knows... Make sure to tell me in the chat because I haven't figured out if the Cowboys really need to, to really need the tie to, to, tonight or is a Washington loss enough to clinch the NFC East? Because I have seen reliable sources tell us opposite things. NFL Network had a graphic out today saying that the Cowboys needed a Washington loss and then Siciliano tweeted out that they needed the tie. So I don't know anymore, and I haven't, you know, check it out myself. I will. I will at, at one point. 
I'm sorry for not having the, the final answer. But the score check is 20 to 10 in the in favor of the Eagles. 14 and 25. 14 minutes to go. The Eagles are leading by 10. They were down by 10 at the beginning of the game. The markets didn't care, by the way. The markets didn't drop Philadelphia from a 50% win probability. So there you go. There's one thing that I hate about this game, though. People are complaining about linebackers wearing single digits or cornerbacks wearing single digits and stuff like that. I don't care about any of that. Just don't make me watch a quarterback wearing number 19. What is that? Are you kidding me? I, I hate everything about that. 19 is not a number that belongs to a quarterback. What is that? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is the, the one thing that triggered me from watching from, from watching uh, the first half of Washington versus Eagles. Are you guys with me on that? Like, we all agree that 19 is in the number that a quarterback should be wearing. Anyways, I believe if Washington loses it, then we have it. I, I believe so too. I'm just not entirely sure because Tommy says we can only clinch it if there is a tie. We will clinch with one more win though. <laughs> Ken says that he agrees with me. Yeah, like what is that? 19 for a quarterback? That is just not natural. Anyways, guys, let's talk about Tony Pollard. That's what I came here to talk about tonight. Do you agree or disagree that Tony Pollard should be getting at least 50% of the snaps? Because in case you were wondering about this, there has been only a few games in which Pollard has been even close to a 50% mark. Actually, not at all. And I have here the breakdown for his snap counts. But he is closer to 40%. Like, in total, he's at 32%. But if you take a look at game by game what his snap counts are, he hasn't had a single game over 42% of of in terms of snap counts. And I don't like that anymore. I have been a little bit pessimistic and I will confess to this. I will confess to being a little bit pessimistic before 2021 about Tony Pollard's involvement in the offense because for a long time my mentality with it was if we give him more snaps then the Cowboys will see a decline in his production. That might be true. I still believe that. I still believe that if Tony Pollard suddenly gets 20 carries per game or 15, 17 carries per game, his average will drop. I believe that to be true. But he has been so explosive for the Cowboys. And I think that it is time that his snap counts should increase. And I have some snaps, some stats, excuse me, to back it up. Meanwhile, I will read the comments. Someone says, I agree, agree. Mike does disagree, though. Peter says, firmly agree. Danny says, agreed and maybe should get more. Joey Bella says, I think he's back. And yes, I do, Mauricio. The Eagles also have the same record as Washington. Oh, Tom is breaking down the NFC East situation. So it doesn't matter who wins. The winner will still have a chance with one win by Dallas. It's over, though. There you go. I'm not, as I say, I have seen conflicting opinions on this. I don't know who is right or who is not right. Like, I cannot confirm it myself, but let's trust Tommy for tonight. Anyways, let's talk about three stats that, in my opinion, prove that Tony Pollard should be getting more snaps. 
Number one is a simple one. Definitely a flawed stat, maybe. But since Pollard is already at 113 carries, I believe, it is a very fair stat to look at. And that is yards per attempt. Tony Pollard literally leads the NFL in yards per attempt. It is fair to mention that the guys that he is leading have way more snaps than him, including Jonathan Taylor, who is number two at this list. But right now, Pollard is at 5.7 yards per carry. Nick Schaub is third, and, and Jonathan Taylor is second. And, and by the way, Jonathan Taylor having an MVP season. Then there is, then there is efficiency, which is tracked by next-gen stats. In, in a few words, efficiency measures how much of a north-south runner are you? How much do you actually forward the, the football? And I know it sounds maybe a little bit dumb, but it's a good stat in my opinion. Tony Pollard is number four in that efficiency stat. And look at his company. Once again, the company that you want to be in. Jonathan Taylor, Chase Edmonds, and Devontae Booker. Those are the three guys that lead that are ahead of, of Tony Pollard in terms of efficiency measured by next-gen stats. And then there is one that I love, which is rushing yards over expectations. So as you know, similar to the quarterback stat, completion percentage over expectation based on the looks, the distance, the defensive looks, down and distance, all of that, there is a certain yards number of yards that you're expected to run in a lot of situations how much above that you go or below that you go is a stat in and of itself, which is rushing yards over expectation per attempt in order to get rid of volume stats. He ranks number three in the NFL. Number one is Jonathan Taylor. Number two is Chase Edmonds. Tony Pollard has become such an efficient runner. And finally, here's the masterpiece from Ben Baldwin. Ben Baldwin is a Twitter account that I respect a lot. A lot of interesting stats. And look at it. Look, this is what he tweeted out today, actually. And before, I hate graphs. So I understand if you try to look away from your phone or your TV or wherever you're watching whenever I put up a graph. But it's quite simple, actually. The horizontal axis, the X axis measures the team run block grade. So the farther to the right you are, the better blocks you're getting. And by the way, shout out to the Cowboys offensive line. As you can see, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard rank very well in this, uh, in this stat. And then there is the yards over expected per attempt, the, the stat that we were talking about. Look at the difference between Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. And again, that might decrease for, for Pollard if his playing time increases. But that, that is still an impressive performance from him. Look at the guys that are above him. Only Jonathan Taylor and only Chase Edmonds. Once again, Nick Schaub, Kareem Hunt, Damon Harris are the guys that are near him. It's gotten to the point in which, to me, it's not only about the stats. It's a conversation that's been, that has been taking place in Cowboys social media over the past few days. And this actually gets me to my next point. The Cowboys are somewhat getting the Chiefs treatment. We are seeing, and by, what I mean by that is we're seeing defenses play a lot of too high coverage versus the Cowboys, dropping a lot of guys in coverage. And a lot of people have been talking about this already, but I just watched the old 22 tape this morning, and it is true. I know that people were complaining about Dak Prescott checking the ball down, 
most of the time it was the correct call because the Giants are dropping all of these guys in coverage and actually the one play in which Dak decided not to check it down and instead look for the deep throw that was the strip sack that ended up being so costly for the Cowboys so the Cowboys should be inviting defenders to the run to 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 the box right I was looking at the percentages, by the way, of eight defenders in the box for Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. They face eight defenders in the box very few times. And this is maybe a little bit ironic because we have seen a running game that has been far from perfect. But now that the Cowboys are seemingly figuring out the run game, with Connor Williams back in the lineup and with more outside run concepts versus the Giants. Hopefully they keep going at these concepts, by the way, because they they were pretty good with them, not only running the ball, but also you showing a lot of play action looks off of those outside runs. That is what I like the most from the Giants game, by the way. I like what we saw offensively. But if the Cowboys start inviting the defenders to the box with outside runs, which I think if you feature Tony Pollard in those runs, you will get better results. Hopefully the Cowboys are able to also open up the passing game a little bit in terms of depth of target, right? Because Dak has been checking the ball as of late because that is what the defense is giving the Cowboys. Uh, let's see. I am very pleased with our offensive lines. Joey Vela compared to the last few games. I agree with that. Hey, our offensive, the Cowboys offensive line really did a tremendous job on Sunday. I know that it is the Giants. I know that maybe Cowboys fans shouldn't get their hopes up against the Giants. But at the end of the day, that is Leonard Williams, for example, at defensive tackle. And that is a top tier player in this league. Uh, Clayton says Pollard is producing results, so why not reward him for his production? Williams has his hands full this week, says Stephen White, and anyone who is watching the Washington football team right now knows that very well. That is one of the best defensive tackle duos in the league, definitely, the one in Washington. Uh, they run Payne, Jonathan Allen, as Stephen White is saying, Allen is tough. He really is. Versus the run and versus the pass. Big test for the Cowboys offensive line, which is why I actually love that the Cowboys went back to Connor Williams versus the Giants. That was sort of a one-game ramp-up period for the Cowboys interior offensive line. Uh, someone over here had something interesting to say. Then it took says off topic, but Zeke is obviously hurt. Why would you need a knee brace for a bone bruise? Pollard needs more involvement. That's another part of this conversation, right? Dennis is spot on. Listen, Ezekiel Elliott, as, as Dennis is saying, he is clearly hurt. The fact that he's running with that knee brace, and I think that there was some improvement as well with that knee brace, but still, he is playing hurt. The Cowboys have been very clear in telling us that they will not give him rest. So that is fair, but mix it up with Tony Pollard. I think that if the Cowboys keep at it with this outside run concepts, concepts, not ignoring the inside runs either because that would also be bad, but if they keep mixing it up and if they keep using Pollard's agility and speed on that boundary, I think that that will open up a lot of possibilities for the Cowboys to take more deep shots. And for a long time, I have been sort of an adversary to the conversation that establishing the run 
is a thing in order to open up play action. I don't think that is really the case. I just think that in this case, since the Cowboys are, in my opinion, getting the Chiefs treatment as of late, and Bob Storm actually from The Athletic wrote about some of these looks that the Cowboys are facing for The Athletic in case you want to check it out. I do recommend it. But the, the Washington football team, for example, played a lot of too high looks versus the Cowboys. So did the Giants. A lot of zone looks as well. So that's what I would think the Cowboys would be better served. Uh, sorry, I word, I word that weird. Uh, that's what I think the Cowboys should do in order to stop facing a lot of seven-man in coverage kind of looks that they have been seeing lately. It's not a bone bruise. Seek already said that, says, said uh, Dallas Young. Yeah, they have been ambiguous, but they, they, they have been a little bit, they have kept it secret, I believe, the Ezekiel Elliott injury, like at least the details. Joey says, you're right. Thank you, Joey. Thank you for watching the show, of course. Burl says, would like to see the O-line have a stable starting five by the playoffs. I think that your starting five is very clear once Tyron Smith gets back and he's healthy. It is the starting four that you have except for the left tackle. But Connor Williams, 100%, is your starting left guard, in my opinion. I don't think that the Cowboys will continue to check things up over there. Dak is going to explode eventually, and when he does, look out, says Beryl Killer. That is something that I haven't lost faith in. I also believe that. I think that this offense will find its rhythm as a whole, and that includes Dak Prescott, and hopefully they do before the playoffs. Hopefully, we don't have to wait until the playoffs and live with that uncertainty before we actually see it. I think it would be ideal for everyone involved. We, we would get better sleep at night if the Cowboys explode on offense during the regular season, and then we feel way more confident about the playoffs because otherwise it will be tough to find some sleep. What about Trent Steele, says Joey Bella. I love Trent Steele, what he has done for the Cowboys as a team's backup right tackle more than anything because on the left side, he has struggled a little bit. I don't even know if the Cowboys are sure about who takes over left tackle next weekend, whether it's him or Ty Seca, because Steele has struggled a little bit on the blind side. That is fair to say. But shout out to, to Terrence Steele, though, for what he did on the right side. I still prefer, I, I, I still prefer um, Lyle Collins over Steele. But Steele deserves a lot of respect. Among the players that we talked about that were a huge surprise this season, you definitely need to also include Terrence Steele, I believe, as an answer. Anyways, guys, before I leave you tonight, let's talk about the Cowboys' dynamic duo on defense. And I want to talk about a few plays, but I have some snapshots of one play in specific. And I, I am talking about the Jordan Lewis interception play. I am so excited. Touchdown Philadelphia, by the way. So that is it, basically, for Washington. They will lose another one, this time with Garrett Gilbert under center. How has Gilbert done? 13 for 21, 158 yards, one sack. Not a horrible performance from, you know, from Garrett Gilbert, other than wearing number 19. Eagles going to win, says Beryl Killer. Just dove out, 13 and 4, says Stephen White. Anyways, oh, Dennis with a good question. He says, will Greg Black cost us? He is too inconsistent. I think it definitely will cost us something. I Hopefully not a game. 
but he will have tough spots. That's what he has been doing most of the season. I don't think that the Cowboys look for another kicker, though. I think that Greg Sorlin is your kicker for the rest of the season and the postseason, whether that is right or wrong. Listen, I would say that it's wrong, but also you Google free agent kicker options and you don't find anything appealing. So I'm good with, with sticking with Greg the leg because it might not make sense, but he makes long field goals. And in the playoffs, that is the guy that I would trust over a lot of the free agents that are available at this point. Let's get to the dynamic duo. I want to talk about this. The Marcus Lawrence is a threat. Micah Parsons is also a threat. And I love Dan Quinn for giving this to us. More than once, we have seen Micah and DeMarcus Lawrence charge to, uh, loaded is the word, to one side of the field. And in this case, we see it in this play that was a Jordan Lewis interception. And it was so fun to watch. You have Lawrence lined up on the inside, which is another concept that I'm in love with, by the way. The Cowboys have been trying to find ways to get their pass rushers isolated versus offensive guards. And just about every time that they do so, they find some level of success. This in particular is a threatening look by the Cowboys. You have Neville Gallimore and Randy Gregory to one side and Lawrence and Parsons to the other. Now, this is an interesting one because... Both 71 and 76, if you guys are watching on the screens, on your screen, 71 and 76 will get uh, Lawrence, who is lined up in front of 71, and I'm describing it a little bit more for the podcast audience. By the way, ADC Sports Primetime and Will's ADC Sports Live, the morning show, are both available in Spotify and on iTunes every morning. So anyways, Lawrence will get the attention of both the right guard and the right tackle. And then Parsons is left all alone with the tight end with number 80. That is a good matchup for Michael Parsons. But this is where it gets better. Parsons is not not really the guy who makes the play. This is how it looks like once the play develops a little bit more. Lawrence actually ends up getting the, the hit that causes the interception and I love the running back because take a look at the running back in the first picture. He's lined up to the, to the left of Mike Glennon. And even though Parsons and Lawrence are lined up on the right, he makes no adjustment. The running back needs to cross over all the way to the right side to get to Michael Parsons. That causes some confusion in front of Mike Glennon. Lawrence is all cleared up to get to Glennon and to force the interception. Just such a great play from the Cowboys' defensive front. And I love that the Cowboys, even though they have some good defensive tackles, including Carlos Watkins, and once they get back, of course, by the way, defensive line coach uh, uh, Dirt got into the COVID-19 list, unfortunately. But once Tracen Hill gets back, the same for Oso Suwa, the Cowboys are still going to show us these looks. They're still going to be creative and find ways to have 94, 90, and 11 rushing the passer alongside uh, Neville Gallimore. So this was not the only play that Lawrence played from the inside. It it happened a lot of the times. It happened a lot of times, excuse me. And I'm excited about that because Dan Quinn is finding ways to isolate Lawrence versus the Giants' right guard. 
And believe me, that will work most of the time. If, if, if he's facing right guards, it is over. And also, Lawrence played some snaps on the left side of things, uh, left side of the offense, I mean, versus the blind side. So excited about everything that's ahead for Tank. Dallas Junk is spot on here. I remember when some Cowboys fans wanted Tank gone. Listen, Tank is not going anywhere, fortunately, and he is still a, an elite defensive player in this league. Joey says, their ability of being versatile, Mauricio, is just awesome. It really is. We have hybrids on the Cowboys defense, and that is so important to have in today's NFL. Armstrong is used a lot of the times. He has been used this season a lot of the times, dropped into coverage, Durant Armstrong. And sometimes it works out poorly for the Cowboys, but you like to have defensive ends that can drop back into coverage. Even more so when the Cowboys are lining up, they, they, they walk out with four down defensive linemen. And then they have, for example, Armstrong and Vashem mucked up inside, right? Over the center and the guards. And then Armstrong, out of nowhere, drops back into coverage. And again, there has been some uh, uh, moments in which that has not worked out for the Cowboys, but they're trusting Armstrong to do so. They're using these hybrid looks from players in which they drop into coverage even though they're pass rushers. And, you know, we don't even have to talk about Michael Parsons' ability in terms of dropping into coverage because he has been so good at it. But the Cowboys are being able to show some crazy stuff that reminds me of hybrid defenses like Bill Belichick's. And I'm not saying that this is the same style of defense. I'm just saying that this is a modern defense that is using hybrid players. And that is what I love the most about this unit that Dan Quinn has been able to build in Dallas. Even Jaron Kears, different type of hybrid maybe. But he's been playing linebacker slash safety for the Cowboys most of the time, right? Jaron uh, Kirsch is always in the box. That is what I like the most about these Cowboys defense. The fact that they have hybrids and they're not afraid to use them. Remember, in my opinion, uh, and I might get more into football theory and, and football future, but I love the theory of the hybrids. I believe that that is the future of football, positionless football. Not like literally positionless, but as, as the years go by, I believe we're still going to see more and more of these examples. Defensive ends, think Matt Giron, think uh, it, the, the case of Michael Parsons, which is a little bit of everything, linebacker slash defensive end. But Giron also is trusted by the Patriots to drop into coverage a lot of the time, and they do so very well. The same for the Colts. They have a lot of this. So love that from Dan Quinn and company. Anyways, guys, that will be it for me tonight. Barrel Killer says, how did our D-line become so great? What a bunch of killer assassins we got. The Cowboys really do have a bunch of killer assassins, as Barrel Killer is describing them in the chat. Anyways, guys, thank you for joining the show. Whole front seven is hybrid, as Boxer is saying, when they have a nose tackle and a defensive, it, and on all defensive ends. That is right. That is so cool that Neville Gallimer is killing it, by the way, at defensive tackle. Anyways, guys, that is it for me tonight. Check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. I started the show a little bit late. I apologize for that. Make sure you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. Check out my Twitter at NFL. That's M-A-U-N-F-L. And I will see you tomorrow night 
one cool thing because it is Wednesday night and we'll take a look at the Washington football team because the Cowboys have a big, big appointment next Sunday versus Washington. NFC East uh, showdown. Just one more question. I'm sorry. I need to get to most of the questions. And thank you guys for joining the show. Joey says, what do you think about Michael Parsons playing running back if we need it? I'm done doubting Michael Parsons. But let's not make that happen. Let's let's just trust Pollard and Zeke and let Micah do his thing. But hey, when they do so, if they do so, I will lose my mind. I'm here for it. <laughs> How about him playing fullback and then releasing to a route in a play-action look, and then we all just lose our minds when he catches a touchdown. All right, now that is it for me tonight. Uh, I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Thank you. Smash that like button, by the way. Share the show. Thank you, guys.